Hey, do you guys want to know who the first... Like, okay, do you guys want to know who the first ever, Lady like... of Soul is? I do know it's Aretha Franklin. Thank you very much, um, Jackson. No, no, no. Although, close. Um, do you want to know who the first ever, like, US artist to tour the Soviet Union was? Billy Ray Cyrus. No, Billy Joel. Oh, Jackson. Oh, wow. I like, so 100% Billy Joel vibe. Billy Joel. Jackson, I cannot believe, Jackson, it has taken, like, what, eight years of friendship for, for you to finally absorb my, my love of Billy Joel? Well, no, here's Joel. the thing. Here's the thing. I've always loved Billy Joel. I just didn't know that you loved Billy Joel. So it, it was my secret thing. You know? Uh, what are his I songs? We talked about it extensively uh, around the time of Odds and For the longest time? Yeah, for the longest I time. I fucking love Billy, Billy Joel. Billy Joel's great. You, you, you want to know some more Billy Joel trivia? Yeah. I guess, yeah. Um, uh, here's the thing. A friend of mine, well, actually, we're not really friends anymore, but back in the day we were friends. <laughs> he, he used to work at a touring company um, in Perth. And um, he actually did catering uh, when Billy Joel played back in like probably like 2009 or whatever. And apparently he was going around with all these like trays of cakes and that sort of thing and kept walking past Billy Joel and Billy Joel kept being like, uh, what's that over there? And it's like, oh, it's carrot cake. He's like, uh, I shouldn't eat that. I've got to sing. And he's like, yeah. And he'd be like, oh, go on, give me a little piece. And basically <laughs> this guy kept going past Billy Joel and he kept being like, I really shouldn't eat this cake. It's going to fuck my voice. And then kept eating cake like an unstoppable monster. Oh, God. That really um, increases my fondness for Billy Joel. That is- This is a tale of a strange and dangerous world, a world known as Carthus. This is an adventure full of magic, hardship, and friendship. This is a tale about a world at war, and the people who are forced to endure it. When ancient magic starts to stir, three unlikely heroes find themselves embroiled in a quest much larger than themselves. But, more than any of that, This is a story about how to win loot and influence dragons. Come on, babe, why don't we paint the town? And all that HTW laid. (laughs) It's me, your Roxy and also Dungeon Master. I'm Ben McAllister. Welcome to the program. It's Chicago this time, I guess, is the intro we're going with. And now it's time for the other people to tell us who they are. Uh, help! I'm made entirely of cellophane. My name's Jackson ah, Newsett. He's on it! He's all over it! Jackson yeah. Newsett, with the, with the steel. Yeah. I'm Thomas, he had it coming, Owen. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what an accurate self-destruction. That's terrific. Ugh. <laughs> oh. I Put that, that on your tombstone, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, guys, we need to get this train back on the tracks because our final party member hasn't introduced herself yet. Yeah, I know. In the milieu of Chicago. <laughs> um, and I'm the sexiest lawyer in town, Grace Chapel. Hey, nice. hey. Don't remember his actual name. Also, so, don't yeah. at me about the fact that I said the wrong character name after all that jazz. It's okay. okay. Um, <laughs> I know. Well, don't they both sing the song at one point? I think you're the only person who realised, but I don't think anyone else on the planet still cares about Chicago the musical. Yeah. No, no, no don't. That, don't they both take. sing the song at the end, don't they? 
At the end, that's true. They do both together at the end. That's true. That's true. That's true. See, Jackson clearly cares. Jackson's on my shit. Um, hey, guys. After all of that unusable content that I'm not going to now summarize and recap for the audience, how about instead we summarize and recap our podcast, How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons, so the audience knows what's going on? Yes. When we last left our heroes, they'd completed their journey through the Temple of Silence, and thanks to some military action from Duncan and Jody, along with some negotiating from a silver dragon form Drasilia, they'd managed to square things away between the people of Hastings and the teen Lord Standish. They left Hastings a better place than when they arrived, now open to the world, with the people ready to take the necessary steps to become a part of a larger society. Our heroes are back on the road now, making their way to Espera, Jody's former home which has now become the base of operations for Alvar, Garrick, Andrea and her refugees, along with the rest of their allies in the quest to uncover the truth about the Cine and the pieces. That brings us to right now. Back on the road again, boys. On the road yeah, so again. Here we are. Exactly, just like in Shrek, when they did exactly that bit in Shrek, when they get on the road and then they're back on it again. You know? You know the way to get back on the road again. How's that? Was that good? That was the only film that I watched on my flight to Perth. Was Shrek? (laughs) Shrek 2. Did you actually watch Shrek 2? Yeah. Man, I watched Shrek 2 the other day as well. That's bizarre. I tried to listen to the Shrek the musical soundtrack on Spotify just the other day. But three seconds in, I realized it's not the songs from Shrek, of course. And I was like, well, I don't want this. <laughs> you know, the other, the other, so by the way, we haven't addressed the fact Grace is in Perth. She's here for the holiday. She's hanging out with, hey! she's here in the, the Perth room with me at the moment. Wee! Anyway, just so our listeners can be kept abreast of where we are, all are at all times. Um, just in case they want to attack us. So we were downstairs and Grace said out loud, you know what I think cannot be overestimated? Her exact words. <laughs> The cultural impact of the Shrek and Shrek 2 soundtracks. I, I 100% agree. Yeah. That's just a true Thank fact. You Jackson. That's a true fact. Look, yeah. I was about to be like, I don't know about Shrek 2. And then I was like, I'm new to hero. Like, as soon as I started thinking about it, I was like, oh shit, true. Live what does pussy cannot be over the Yes. can't. Does it make a little bit more sense now that you know I was watching Ch- Shrek 2 Ch- in the play? It makes a lot more sense. When's that? That's uh, when they're... Yeah. Is that um, when Handsome Shrek? Oh, that might be number one, actually. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, that's number two. That's Handsome Shrek. You know what I'm that's, so yeah, glad about it. is the fact that we've just wrapped up this pathos-heavy arc of our podcast and we're straight talking about Shrek. Handsome I love Shrek. that. I love that that's where we're back to. Um, hey, you guys are on the fucking road. Where do you think you're going? We're going to go straight to Espera. Yeah, nice. Straight to Espera to go visit uh, your friends Garrick and Alvar and Andrea and Elena. Should we go back into the web somehow? Like, is there like a... How, yeah, how do we begin to... F- like, Like, I don't think we marked any of the obelisks on a map or anything. Like, I well, think not to be- mention, you haven't, you haven't found any here in, like, the Old Wood, which is where you currently yeah. are. You haven't seen any. But, that being said... So there is something that, like, like I totally forgive you and the audience for not remembering, but um, that, that we haven't addressed yet. Remember when, like, um, Druzzy ran through the treasure room on her way out of the tower and she picked up a bunch of items? Oh, fuck, yeah! You guys haven't even looked at those fucking items. And I think it makes sense now that you're back on the road. Just that, a, like, a quick little reminder for the audience and ourselves. 
Duncan still has a mystery feat up his sleeve. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, fuck. Well, yeah, I was going to suggest like we spend, you know, just a couple of minutes just doing a little bit of housekeeping and Should looking just... at the shit that you picked up. So we have a little picnic on the road. Yeah, I think like, yeah, you're on your way out, you're heading down, you're, you're thinking about like, oh, gee, wouldn't it be nice to travel by web? Not yeah. sure how we would do it. Giselle is pulling like a loaf out of her backpack and she sees the items that she, she's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Guys. Check out this loot, this sweet loot <laughs> this that I picked I up. found loot. <laughs> what, also, something I want to know, and this might be a bit, um, but so he, here's the thing. So Jody's been um, working on some things. Do you reckon he should bring these out now or like? I think he later? absolutely should bring these out now, Jackson. Yes, this okay. is a character sheet management five minute period where we're going to look at some items. I think if Jody has oh little treats God. for everyone, oh my God. this is the time they need to come out. Also, yeah, let's okay. discuss the looks. We haven't talked about the looks in a while. I think yes. you guys are wearing Amish-looking clothing so as to fit in yes. with the people of Hastings. Yep. Um, okay, so the items that Rosilia finds as she's pulling her Lembus bread out of her backpack. Yes, good. She reaches underneath her, like, stack of Lembus loaves, as they're called in this world. And I definitely didn't steal. And <laughs> she sees a pair of, like, lobstered metal gauntlets that are, like, a vague kind of, like brassy colour and a tiny little pair of silk shoes and of course the crown jewel as far as Drasilia is probably concerned the necklace that she remembers from her visions of the willowy elf figure that we now have reason to believe is known as Dandela yes um Drasilia lays these items down on the rug and it's like these um gauntlets are a bit big for me uh Duncan you want to Try them. I thought I just thought they looked cool. I, I don't know. It's probably stupid. Yeah, I'll uh, try them on. Precise. Do you do you put them on, DK? First, I want to roll a perception check to see if you're trying to get me to get my hands cut off. Yeah, nice. Do 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 it. Roll that, roll that perceptor. Nine plus five, fourteen. Um. Okay. With fourteen, I will say you look at them and they look like really nice. Like. Like metal, real nice. Basically, gauntlets. They're real nice. But in addition to being real nice, um, they also like they look like they're gonna fit you fucking perfectly. And they also look like they're kink gauntlets. <laughs> you just kind of want them. Like you just look at them and you're like, "Fuck yeah, those gloves look sick." That's what you get with your fourteen perception. I won't lie. Everything about the way you described them was horrifying. But I'm still gonna put my hand in them. <laughs> Nothing was horrifying. You're just yeah. a vicious man. Look, no, if you, had no, the, if you, if you were sharing the, the gaze that T and I did, did just then listening to Ben say that, like, it went to a particular place, let yeah. me tell you. DK, as you slip your hands into these lobstered brass gauntlets, you feel, like, real fucking good. Like, you feel like... Like, you feel... <laughs> Are you like hearing it now, Grace? Are you hearing it now? You come, dude. <laughs> You feel like a surge of, like, energy rise up your arm. Like, you feel like... You feel strong, dude. You feel, like, stronger than you have in a while. And, uh, what's your current strength score, T? Um, 18, assuming I still take that feat that I can't find. Oh, if you take a feat that gives you plus one strength? No, my joke was, there are no good feats. My mystery feat is an absolute sham. There are no good feats for me to take. (laughs) Okay, well, the thing about it, Tom, is that these gloves increase your strength by one. So your strength is actually 19 now. Dude, pick something up. 
Yeah, if you pick up a feat that has a strength plus one, you'll be maxed, my friend. No, I meant pick up a log. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing about these these gauntlets, T, in addition to having plus one on your strength, yeah, you do feel like just like a little bit like picking shit up. Like you'd you'd be like pretty good at that. And you also feel like for some reason, and like I, I don't know what's in Duncan's past, whether this is something that he's felt before, but you feel like if you had to build some shit, you just feel like you'd just like You'd just be kind of good at that. I think what's in Duncan's past is like a failed series of DIY projects. Yeah. <laughs> like he tried to build a deck once, it went really badly, yeah, and yeah. now he's just got a renewed burst of confidence. Yeah, well, you've yeah. got a renewed burst of confidence in your he couldn't DIY couldn't count ability. to 52, like you- so like the deck was just ruined the whole time. I love that. <laughs> so, yeah, you've, you, you reckon that you could build shit, and you're, you're feeling pretty strong, dude. That's what those gloves have for you. I feel like I could build shit. Yeah, like that's, that's honestly feat, like that's dude. the best way I can put it. Is like you put these gloves on and you're like awash with this feeling of confidence. Like you just like feel like a little more crafty than usual. Like you're just like if I was like you know like you're looking at like maybe you're looking at the trees a bit differently and thinking like if I cut those down I could split them up and get a couple planks out of oh, there. Oh, like, the gloves of like, capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something there. Anyway, um, let's move on. So right now sitting on this pile is a little pair of silk slippies. And also this necklace. I think Drazilia definitely um, like holds it up to her foot and is like, ah, damn. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Jody, do you want to you wanna slip these on? Man, Jody was like really looking at the necklace and he was like, fuck. Like, uh, <laughs> and, yeah, of course. Uh, the, 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 the Does Jody recognize the necklace? Um, Does Jody recognize the necklace? Because well, we haven't had a conversation about like you seeing the same thing that I've seen. Yeah, I mean, well, he he has the like he he has that portrait of the of Dandela, right? So like he probably has oh, he probably notices the necklace, and then probably like yeah, he's probably like I have um I have seen that necklace before, but I um I feel like the way I've lived my life necessarily wouldn't mean that uh, it's the right choice for me if, if I just had an inkling. And then he reaches for the boots. As soon as you pick these things up, Jody, you feel the same thing that Drazi probably felt the first time she touched them, which is that these are like impossibly supple silk these boots they feel fucking good in your hands they're like running through your fingers like water these little silk slippies and if you pop those bad boys on you probably like instantly feel like like your footfalls and your movements are just like a lot more subtle and smoother and those are your stark feet falls yeah and the, that was a Game of Thrones reference for you nerds, huh? <laughs> she got him. She got him. The way that translates, Jacuz, is that Jody now has advantage on all stealth checks whilst wearing the booties. <laughs> oh, that's Wait, so, so he gets good. to know what his do, and I just know that I feel like a capitalist? <laughs> we knew that. Yeah. <laughs> you get plus one strength, and T, you get advantage on athletics checks that have to do with lifting, and also something that I'm not going to say yet to do with building, but we'll get there if it becomes relevant. Yeah, that's sick. I'm, I'm very into that. Great, thank you. So, plus one to athletics for lifting? Advantage on athletics that pertains to lifting. Okay, like, okay. if you're going to, like, pick up a, a big log, you have advantage on that athletics check. Sweet. I can't wait to just try and build things in every single episode of this podcast <laughs> until I figure out what this bonus is. And now we're left with the necklace that Drazilia recognizes. Um, so, when I touch hold this... Do I feel anything? Huh. Do I need to roll perception? No, I need to roll. 
Oof. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely do. And the thing that comes to you, like, in addition to the fact that this necklace looks like the necklace that you've seen in your visions of Dandala and on the portrait that Jody pulls out, so you're pretty confident it is that one, you also notice now for the first time something you didn't notice about this necklace before, which is that it does look pretty similar in, like, a, a sort of abstract way to the necklace that Valeria was wearing way back in episode two, where she cast whatever magic she cast. Gosh, Drazilia's got a good memory. Yeah, way better memory than Grace, I expect. Yeah, far better. And if you remember when I described this necklace, I described it as being, and I guess I should describe it again now, like a metal face that looked like it had a setting in it that was currently empty. <gasps> okay, um, Drazilia puts on the necklace, and she takes the new... Who's got the new... I've got the new stone, don't I? Yeah, whoever took it out of the thing, which I guess was Drazillian. Yeah, I take the new stone. The new piece. The new piece, sorry. And I um, place it in the fitting. Yeah. It slots in with a nice, really satisfying, resounding click. And you all see this. uh, The three of you standing around in this little clearing as Drazillian slots this piece into this necklace that she's holding. And uh, all of you definitely feel like... Almost like a... Like a kind of like... You don't hear it, but you almost feel like the equivalent of, like, a speaker powering up noise, you know? Like a... (laughs) But in, like, the sort of pervading magical energy in the clearing that you're standing in. Is it anything like the... What is that brand? Is it THX? THX, That is exactly what I was thinking of. The THX, yes. yes, I was thinking more like like the opening to Final Countdown by Europe, you know what I mean? I love that. So, you've got this necklace, it's powered up, Mm -hmm. and it's thrumming in your hot little hand, Drussy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's also strumming. (laughs) It's thrumming and strumming away, like our little jazz guitarist. What do you all think you're doing? Do I feel anything special, or...? You definitely feel like this thing's magical as fuck. You also remember watching Drazilia use it to, like, make herself disappear. You mean Dandela. Sorry, Valeria. <laughs> you, you remember Valeria using it to, like, make herself disappear. Uh, or a similar one, to make herself disappear some time back. And you definitely, again, feel like it's magical as fuck. Alright, sick. I guess, fine, I don't need to feed whatever. Um, <laughs> what have you got for us, Jody? Come on, make my day. <laughs> I'll say at this point, by the way, sorry, just before we get onto Jody's thing, just so you guys can play with this if you feel so inclined, you both definitely recognize it also. Like, you didn't before, but now right. that the piece is in there and the way that it is thrumming and humming, you guys are like, oh, fuck, that's like that one Valeria had. And strumming. And strumming. We all just now know that if things get really bad, Drasilia out of there. <laughs> that's, that's true. Couldn't, couldn't go to a, yeah, a nice person. Um, I think as all these gifts are being handed around, Jody probably like pipes up after a while. Um, I have been um, in uh, the quiet hours and that sort of thing when I have when I have time. Um, well, when we were in Esperate, I took um, a substantial amount of uh, of the cloth there um, from the the robes that we used to. Uh, to wear there, and I have been, um, well, I thought perhaps as a gesture of my uh, affection for the both of you, I would make something. And so I think, uh, first off, Jody pulls out this, uh, sort of set of robes. I've just sort of like gone wild with this, Ben. So if you're like, there's no way he could have done that, then by all means. No, no, dude. Um, I'm into this. What do the robes look like? So Jody pulls out these robes Boobie that, no, of course, 
Uh, they start sort of like a deep gray at the at the base, and then as they move up, they are sort of like uh, grow a more like they're a gradient of like uh, like an icy blue as they're rising. And then around the wrists, it's like uh, almost like vine leaves, but in the color of like ice. Um, and then in the center, there's a very tasteful boob window, um, <laughs> with like a, uh, <laughs> um, with like a, uh, almost like a fiery red thread trimming, basically. For the men as well? No, no, this is, this is, this is just for Drazilia, this one. This is custom. Oh, this is a custom gonna get their own things, Oh I my expect. god. Drazilia sees the, um, the leaf, leafy finish and the boob window and she has to turn away so that. The boys do not see her welling up with emotion. <laughs> I think uh, jo- Jody is probably like, I think, um, I mean, fuck, the Dungan and I saw you turn into a fucking dragon. Like, this is, um, you, you, you have um, incredible powers and that sort of thing, but you're still that same person that, for some reason, wanted to dress themselves uh, in foliage for some reason. Um, but I, as, as, much as, as much as you are... Um, uh, and uh, a cold dragon. Um, you you have a heart of a fireball, Drazi, and it. Um, my life has changed having gotten to know you. Then I think Jody oh. probably turns to Duncan, and I guess he just has a like a a big burlap sack or something like that. I don't know. But he's like <laughs> no, he, he's like as in he's pulling shit out of it. Oh oh. Like, oh. <laughs> He's like, oh my god! No, no. That is so funny. I was like, oh, is this where like yeah. the uh, intra-party romance yeah. plot kicks no, off? Like, no, no. yeah, Duncan, you can have a sack. <laughs> Jody pulls out another. Uh, basically, this one's like all, all more grey, sort of like a tuniky sort of thing. Um, I think it's actually called like a. Is it a gambeson? Gambeson. Um, gambeson. <laughs> yeah, gambeson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he pulls out this gambeson, and it's this sort of like uh, deep. Gambeson. It's this like grey of like the Esperor cloth, but like deeper still. And oh, I love that. Um, it's actually like covered in like these purple flowery ornaments, basically. And Jody hands it to Duncan, and is like, Duncan, so you can wear this under whatever armor you choose to arm yourself with. Um, those flowers are Wolfsbane, and I hope they serve you well. Fuck yes, dude. I love that Wolfsbane armor. The problem with giving genuinely thoughtful gifts to your party members <laughs> well, but this is, is that this, this, is, this very... is for audio and none of our fans can <laughs> see the way I reacted, which was like a little hand on the heart, frozen mouth wide open That's thing. True. It's true. Take a uh, photo for the grand. Well, it's, it's the That's going to be gone, posed you know? as it's just fuck, in, in my, it? It's my mind only. But um, um, yeah, I think that's... Yeah, that's... But I think that's been building nice. up in Jody for a while. So nice. There you go. I dig that's it. Incredible. And what has Jody made for himself? Um, like the cool, sickest, cool guy robes. No. Um. Basically, Jody is just wearing like the standard monk robe of his home. Um. And he's he's uh, although he has <laughs> the one addition he's made is that he's removed the sleeves. Um. So he's sort of like a. Think like an Assassin's Creed sort of thing, but more grey, but with, with like sleeveless, yeah. basically. And also like sleeveless, and so like he can show off his guns. Well, yeah, part, so his of, guns part of the guns, yeah. Um, but also because like, literally like his, his magical like weapon fists. So he's kind of like, maybe it's worth like keeping them like elbows out and that sort of thing ready to fight rather than, you know, keeping them in cloth. 
Um, but yeah, Jody is sort of uh, paying paying respect to his home more than anything. He, and so he, he's he's not wearing like like other than like I guess these like silken shoes. I guess like he's not a uh, he's calling Esper a home, not not Australia, so to speak. Um, if you didn't have inspiration, you now do. But oh, I think you already just did. <laughs> Jesus, how do you spell Brasilia? Grace. That is a thing only you can say. Um, I mean, on, on your character it. sheet, Grace, it's normally D-R-U-S-I-L-I-A. Yeah, only one L. That's how I've been putting it in the show notes okay. this whole time. One L. Just putting something on the gram. I um, love that. Tom, you should do a drawing. Sure. Or anybody who wants to do a drawing. Let's announce a drawing competition right now. Let's decide right this <laughs> fucking second. Do a drawing of your favourite HW Laid moment. Send it to us on Twitter and we'll pick the best one. And I will personally send you 50 Australian dollars. <laughs> Actually? <laughs> wow. You don't count, Tom. Oh, Anyone what? but Tom. <laughs> there you go. Artists or people who aren't artists but who feel like trying their hand at it. Now, does this mean you have to give someone those $50? Yes, absolutely. Let's, let's press on with the program. So, what do you think the plan is, boys and girls? Um, one thing I want to I want to check as well, like given that we just like change outfits and that sort of thing. What does everyone like look like facially and like hair and that? Like, just, let's just like finish the picture, right? Like, because at one yeah, point yeah, we yeah, shaved yeah, yeah. Duncan's head and that sort of thing. Like, like what, where, where, where you? It's at? probably been enough time that Duncan's hair is like regrown to like a reasonable shortish length. I have no clue how long it's been. Yeah, it's something that I've actively avoided uh, giving a hard number on. I think. Um, Dwarves' hair, at least Duncan's dwarven hair, grows quickly. I think Duncan now has enough hair to... Do, like, a riffraff thing? A little man bun? <sighs> oh, one, once again, I wish our fans could get the visual I gave Jackson yeah, in good. response to the riffraff suggestion. No good. Um, I reckon just kind of, like, swept back. What, like a, like a Brad Pitt Fury sort of thing, or...? Yes. Yeah, I love that yes. swept back DK look. Yep. What's Druzzy doing with her head hair? Um, Druzzy has got her bowler hat back because she found it in the. No, league. you gave it to Cerulea at the end of the last episode. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Druzzy has no hat. Does she, she have hat hair? Like permanent hat hair? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's got like a, like a practical ponytail. Oh, that's very sad. Yeah. It's dire. Druzzy's looking dowdy as shit. <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> like frumpy. Savage. Uh, what about Jodas? I, I said you said he'd stopped shaving and cutting his hair. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think he's. Um, that's all true. I think he's taken to braiding it now. So like, <laughs> no, like straight up. Like as in like I think this is like a. Um, uh, yeah, I'll probably elaborate on it further, sort of thing. But I think I think he's. Uh, this is like a sort of thing they used to do back in Espera. Um, so he's like, he's like long hair now and he's like sort of like going, like getting some side braids happening. And That's dynamite. Then a big old bushy beard. Great big side, bushy beard. Side braids. Nice. Love it. <laughs> what do you mean good. by side braids? I don't know. I just sort of like, I, 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 I guess he's like not, um, look, he's, he's like sort of braiding along the side, like across along his temples, right? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Not like a, like a dowdy plait from the nape of his neck. No. I was thinking more like a Padawan braid, like from oh. Star Wars. It's got one of those going on. Yeah. No. Do it. Now that we've all described how we all look, what we're wearing, what we're working with, how we're all feeling, our character sheets and everything, I think it's time to like get, get moseying on. What do you think y'all are doing? Are we able to have taken some horses from 
Yeah, Hastings? I think definitely. You guys can be on horseback from Hastings. <clears throat> and we'll just say, like, unless anyone has any specific things they want to do on the journey, the journey down towards Espera kind of passes without incident. You ride through the Old Wood, you ride across the cross the, the Major King's Road at some, like, inconspicuous point to avoid suspicion. You ride through the Car Wood. You move back through, basically, like, back-trailing yourselves from when you came up here from that little town where you guys found Cerulea, all those fucking, I don't know, probably weak and Pro- a bit Probably riding around that town, though, I would say, and not straight through it. Yeah, probably avoiding the town that is looking explicitly for you. Yeah, that's probably fair enough. And then making your way through the wood down towards Espera. Oh, shit, that town where we just, like, slaughtered. Yeah, a bunch of, like, innocent mercenaries, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, innocent, who knows? Come on. Can we just have a quick on-mic conversation, which I'm sure characters would have in the real world at some point, just sort of, like, taking stock of the temples that we've been to in terms of... Because we had the list of the ten things. We could probably, like, figure out which ones we've been to and, like, the other ones that we've heard of. That's a great idea. Um, I I can list the ones that, like, you heard about ages ago, if you like, and you guys can kind of try and puzzle together, like, what you've seen or know about Mm -hmm. in some other way. How does that sound? So the ones that were listed to you by Alvar the first time you guys went to Analor, which was the the former home base, for those who don't remember. Analor was that place, like, underground where you guys went and and met with, with all your friends, and then... Uh, sometime later, they felt like that place was no longer safe and they moved to Espera, which is where they currently mm-hmm. are. But the, the temples that they listed when you guys first visited Analor were knowledge, power, death, life, uh, sea, sky, silence, sand, and snow. Right. So, Temple of Death was a uh, sanctuary. Sorry, uh, Espera, sorry, allegedly. Um, and then Temple of Life was allegedly sanctuary knowledge was where we met valeria uh silence was probably about old mate and his mm. three things and the fish people fish folk was that not the temple of sea that's true except temple of sea yes um, it was solitude <laughs> and silence. that's right what was the name of that town again um the town was called hanelport hanelport yeah, yeah. silence was probably the one we were just at then right given the amount of noise yeah. things there were based in the clock tower Oh, yeah. And also that the town was, like, invisible and in hiding the whole time. It's not like I definitely had that waiting in the narrative for, like, a year or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, so, like, look, yeah, you you believe those things are true. Ones you haven't talked about are power, sky, sand, and snow. I mean, are are those all the temples that we've been to, the ones ones we've listed? Yeah, those are all the ones you've been to that you've just listed. Yeah. Yeah. Nicely done on your memory. Power, sky, sand, and snow. So it's the rest of the Yazaki 8. Yes, yes, Jackson, I know. Thank you for dragging me again about this point break slash Matt Riley thing that's going on, okay? I'm very aware of it, okay? Um, I was just going to say that Power is probably going to be in Carthus City. Oh. It's just a hot take like, from... Like seat of power sort Flash of thing. Race. Yeah. No, I love that. That's great. So that's like... what, what You think like whilst you guys are on the way down, like to Espera, you're just like recapping, like, like okay, so what have we done so far? <laughs> like, we've done these ones. We've got these ones still to go. And how many pieces do we have? You've got three from the Temple of Life, um, one from the Temple of... None, none from the Temple of Death, actually. There was none there. It was empty. You had to add a piece to get the air conditioning started again. One from the Temple of Sea, one from the Temple of Silence. You got five, my friend. You got five. And if you recall, you believe there to be 12. That's at least what the myths seem to indicate. Damn, we're not even halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, um, what's her name's necklace? 
face. Yeah, you definitely, you definitely did say that at one point. Yeah. Valeria's necklace was one, had a piece in it, and that's how she used and it. And then so um, six. old mate, what was the name of starting with e? Esme. Esme, yes. Yeah, Esme did. has at least one, yes. There, there are other ones. That, but, but Hey, this is this is what this episode's for, and this is what we're going to talk about when we get to Aspera. So shall we get there? Let's crack let's, let's get there. So I think after like a few, probably like, I don't know, probably like a week at least, maybe two on the road, you guys managed to like stealthily, probably with the aid of Jody's cool new slippies, <laughs> managed to traverse your way down to Espera. I love that you finished to work in slippies. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite thing. It's true. Grace has, has got an inside look on my love of slippies <laughs> in the last couple of weeks because I'm constantly wearing them and uh, we even loaned her a pair by the time that she was taken. <laughs> So, you guys managed to roll into the semi-ruined gates of Espera. And on your arrival, you see there's like a scout standing on top of one of the buildings. It's not someone you recognize. You assume it must must be one of Andrea's refugees. And uh, you see them kind of like see you very pointedly stand up and then like jump down through a little hole in the roof. And then you see there's, you know, a bunch of commotion as people are basically getting ready for your arrival. And yeah, I mean, here you are back in this place you visited not too long ago. You've got the great hall. You've got the big courtyard. It's it's the Esper that Jody knows and loves and remembers from his childhood. But what's probably... Maybe a little bit confronting, but in, in some other way comforting about this experience is that, like, rather than being a place of death and stillness, it seems to sort of be a place of life and activity again. I mean, there's people here running around between the buildings and, you know, just kind of going about their daily lives now that they've sort of taken up residence here. How do you feel like Jody feels about that? Like, I think it's exactly what he's wanted these last few months, right? Like, for it to not be a monument to loss, but for there to be hope again. It is still a temple of death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's not, you know, it's more like death in the ancient Egyptian sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where things are... <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. You know, death is a part of life. So, before too long, uh, before you see... Too... Sorry. <clears throat> Grace got me on that, on that shit. <laughs> Sorry. Before too long, you see a little group moving out of the Great Hall, which, if you recall, is kind of directly opposed to the sort of now semi-crumbled main gate of Espera. It is who else but your good friend, Garrick. He's standing there atop the steps and he says, Well, it took you bloody long enough, didn't it? Heyo, it's me, your maple leaf-clad friend and dungeon master, just checking in on you in the middle here as per usual. First off, I'm very sorry this episode's late. I'm currently in Canada on holiday and I spent the last 30 hours or so on fucking planes and shit to get here from Australia. I probably should have led with the Canada thing before I said the maple leaf thing, but here we are. Anyway, thanks as always for listening to chapter 47 of HGW Laid. We sure hope you're enjoying it. Uh, Somewhere in here we made a completely spur-of-the-moment decision just at random to run an art contest, I guess. Well, we're standing by that because fuck it, why not? We're looking for HGW Laid-related art. It can be moments from the show, character portraits, whatever really, any format that you like, any anything you think is appropriate. Um, we're going to leave the competition open all of August, so get those submissions to us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at Curio Network or at HTWLade, or by email to htwlade at curionetwork.com. 
at the end of August, Perth WA time, if that's relevant to anyone coming in right under the wire, we'll be choosing our favorite piece and the person who made it will get either a $50 Visa gift card or $50 worth of D&D shit. Up to you. Send your way from us. Um, we don't really necessarily expect like a ton of entries coming in, so even if, like me, you are shit at art, you may as well give it a shot. You've probably got a pretty decent chance at winning. Anyway, that's it for me this time. Uh, the next episode will probably also be a little late because I'll still be in the US and therefore putting it up like Friday afternoon, evening, uh, my time here. Um, but anyway, we'll see you then. Thanks as always for listening. Enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, I mean, I imagine like sort of like fucking chuckle and then like, like probably like all in embrace, I guess, right? Like it's been, how, how long has it been? Like, yeah, are we I we saying like, months? Or you know, like, that's the question on everybody's mind, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, just the, just don't the even, question on everybody's yeah. lips. I think it's been a long time. It's been weeks. It's been weeks since you saw Garrick. Since you last saw Garrick, it was at Analor. You went to Espera. He didn't come with you. You went to the Temple of Sea. You went on your way back to Analor. You were ambushed and you met Cerulean and you headed up to the Temple of Silence inside Hastings. Now you've headed back down. So yeah, probably like several weeks approaching a month by the time you guys are running back into Garrick here. And you've been through a lot since then. Also, we took the short road through the web. So it's longer for the Garrick. Yeah, longer for the Garrick. It's always longer for the game. Yeah. <laughs> hey, nice. So yeah, uh, he's like, ah, come on inside, you lot. And he uh, gestures behind him to the great hall that you know so well. And in you stroll. And in, inside, of course, you'd see like a number of other familiar faces. There's Chiron, the sort of head of former head of security at Analor, now head of security here at uh, Espera. You'd see Elena, who is a strange halfling woman from the Eastern League, who is always bothering you. Uh, you'd see. Well, I mean, to be fair, we did abduct her. You did abduct her, and she was surprisingly cool about it. Um, <laughs> you see, of course, Alvar Nettleford sitting at a table, poring over a number of books as a number of uh, pages and scribes yeah. that travelled with him from Analore, and you know, a few refugees who've now sort of taken up the task are sort of running around, moving books and piles of scrolls around. Uh, it's it's really just like bustling and busy. There's, there's quite a few people in here, but of course, upon your arrival, everybody stops what they're doing and welcomes you. Good. Yeah. No. Good. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you guys are feeling well. A bit of revelry, yeah. Oh, and who could forget Andrea? There's Andrea, the head of the refugees. She's standing next to the staircase at the back of the hall that leads up to the tower where the magical air conditioning is. And she's just kind of leaning against the wall, looking at you guys enter. And she uh, smiles and nods in your direction. And then Garrick says, Well, uh, good to have you back. Sorry we can't, uh... Spend all day just reminiscing, but we've got quite a bit to discuss. Yeah, I think we can all believe it. Did you ever find Valeria, Garrick? Your lady love? As you say your lady love, he glances over his shoulder quickly at Andrea and then turns back <gasps> to you and says in a hushed tone, Oh my god. She's not my lady love. I don't know where you keep getting that from. <laughs> it's more of like a father-daughter thing. But anyway... No, we haven't found her yet, but, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's let's go over to Alvar and let's share some news. And Alvar stands up from his table and says, Welcome to the new Analor. Now, I suppose you'd say Espera. I'm glad to have you back. Shall we, Parley? And uh, he, he gestures <laughs> to the staircase behind him. What a jolly fellow. He seemed much more bookish before, but now he's a real, like, rapscallion. Yeah. I love the character development that happens off screen. 
I think that's interesting because, like, he, he's had to, like, flee the police. Like, you would notice, like, a change in Alva. Like, he was this, like, bookworm. He worked at university and he was trying to hide this part of his life, right? Like, they were doing this clandestine underneath Carthus City whenever they had spare time. Now they're basically in open rebellion against yeah, the king. on the run. Yeah, and, like, something, yeah, has changed in Alva as a result of that, God, I, I can't wait to meet the king. Yes. Um, so, he gestures up the stairs behind him. What do you guys do? Follow yeah, nice. So you guys, all of the named characters make their way up the stairs, <laughs> which, is, which is to say Andrea and Garrick and Elena and Alva and, yeah, fuck it, Chiron's there, why not? Uh, no, you know what? Chiron's not there. Oh, Chiron big. is basically like the, the two I see for um, Alva, and so he, he sticks around downstairs to keep an eye on things while you guys are upstairs having your parlay. And you guys move out of the spiral staircase that leads up out of the Great Hall into a little room off to the side that was formerly a meeting room for the sort of uh, inner circle of, of monks here at Espera. And you would see on the wall opposite the fantasy equivalent of a whiteboard, which I guess is just a blackboard, you know? <laughs> like, is that... A chalkboard, perhaps? Like a slate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a big slate against the wall. And you would see a very familiar-looking uh, list of names. Knowledge, life, death, power, sand, sea, sky, silence, and snow. With several crossed off, uh, the ones that you guys listed, knowledge, life, death, sea, silence, more recently scrolled out. Uh, actually... How the fuck they know Yeah, that? no, that one's not scrolled out. Yeah. They don't know. Drazilia walks up to the blackboard <laughs> in silence and scratches out silence. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking yeah. What and a fucking power move. Drops the chalk on the ground. And funny I said power move because the first thing that you would notice probably is that power is also crossed out. What? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's just on the board. Power has been crossed out as has sand. And next to the line through sand is a question mark, leaving the only uncrossed in any way, now that you've crossed off silence, the only uncrossed lines on the board as sky and snow. And uh, Alvar says, go on, sit, sit, take a seat. We have much to discuss. And, uh, You're not going to ask me about silence? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Garrick says, all right, all by Trussy. <laughs> Tell us about the Temple of Silence. Is that where you've been? I guess you've been out of contact for a while. Yeah. Did, did the pieces stop working inside the temple? Uh, what's the deal there? Garrick, let me spin you a yarn. Trussie uh, <laughs> goes on about her dragon adventure. and uh... Yeah, well, that, that's an important question. Like, Do you guys tell them everything? Um, everything that makes us look good. Yeah, there's yeah. no Druzzy way ways. that Druzzy is not being like, I turned into a fucking dragon and saved my hometown. Yeah. Like, that's just, that's just <laughs> yeah, happening, nice. right? Yes. What about what about you guys? Are you keeping anything back, or is like the whole like the last time you saw these guys was pre Temple of C? Like this was ages ago. Like, do you tell them everything that's happened in the interceding? Because like you haven't had like a straight up conversation with them in ages. Because remember, like after the Temple of C, you got worried that your sending stone communications are being listened in on. Yeah. I just want to know like what do and don't you tell them? Is there anything particular you hold in reserve, or do you just kind of tell them what you know? Um, well, now that you ask that, I worry that one of them's a mole. Yeah, so nice. I reckon we kill everyone but Garrick and then tell him everything. <laughs> I probably wouldn't mention the necklace or like the vision because I haven't. Are you wearing like, the I necklace? I told you guys about that. 
Yeah, but it's like, you know, it's it's tucked in so it doesn't get in the way of activities, you know. Right. So it's just like hanging there in your boob window. Well, that's the problem. That's the, the whole point of the boob oh. window is to accentuate <gasps> the necklace as well. So. Ah, oh, the boob window. I know. No. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure Jody could have knitted like an, a little patch for you to like put <laughs> over the top when it's like uh, more formal. A decency patch? Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Okay. So visions aside, uh, you guys tell them some things. And do you give them the books that you picked up, DK? Or like to what? Yeah, yeah fuck it. I mean, that's their wheelhouse. Yeah. What's the yeah, point yeah. in even pretending they're our allies if I'm not going to give them their books? Are we going to get Are we going to get overdue fines for these books? <laughs> Stop it. Yeah, you are like fucking many, many thousands of years overdue. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, Alvar takes the books and says, "Oh yes, um, we've actually been uh, heavy at work." Uh, decoding the last lot of uh, Cine text that you brought in, but this will keep us busy for a while longer, I expect. And uh, he kind of claps his hands on like a page boy comes in and he gives him like a, the pile of books and then he runs off downstairs. Um, Does he then like sit down, put his feet up and have a glass of wine? Like after he's given the work to the... Uh, yes. The underling? No, he doesn't. Very he doesn't. Good. He's actually a teetotaler. <laughs> and, and he says, okay, okay. So it seems to me that this is probably a good time for us to sum up the state of play. Here we have the list of Sine temples as we understand them, and the pieces. As we all know, you visited knowledge, and then life, and then death, and sea, and now silence. In the meantime, we've been able to confirm our previous suspicion, which is that, as we know, the Eastern League has access to a few pieces from evidence we got from Elena, who pops up and says, yeah, um, so I definitely was able to think back through my various interactions with the Eastern League military, and, you know, when I was a part of their military intelligence division, and the way they were moving around, what I now know is called the web, we didn't know at the time, it only makes sense to me if they have... At minimum, two pieces. The ways they were able to get people in and out of there in different locations at different times. At minimum, two. And, I mean, the place we found them, the the, the place that, that I was part of the group that discovered deep in the Eastern League, we're pretty sure that has to be the Temple of Power. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> what was it's digging, that? It's underground. Oh, damn it. Yeah, no, uh, you know, it, it, it has those weird machines in it that they use to build siege weaponry and, and all manner of, of, of pretty powerful technology. We, we assume at least that that must be the Temple of Power, or if it's not the Temple of Power, it's some kind of temple. And, you know, process of elimination, that's where we've got to, because it doesn't seem like sky or snow. Uh, may, may I ask, um, so what, what defining feature... I, I, I don't know. I, uh, Temple of Power would seem to be one of particular importance. What was so uh, uh, suggestive of this? Yeah, we were pretty sure it was going to be in, like, Calder City. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Can you rule that out? Uh... She says, look, it's definitely a temple, and, you know, the, the fact that it has these giant, I guess you'd say forges, and, like, almost like automatic blacksmiths is the best way I can think to describe it. And Alva pipes up and says, yes, none of the texts point to the Temple of Power as having any particular significance above the sort of gifts and abilities of the other ones. I mean, Temple of Life, as you guys know, contained a fucking elixir of life that you could just, you know, make out of regular water, which is pretty fucking powerful. I think they all, you know, have their things that they can do. And from what you've described of the Temple of Silence, it seems to kind of fit that build to some extent as well. Well, it's kind of noisy, though. <laughs> 
Um, so if we, we're assuming that Sand is maybe the other uh, location for the second piece of the Eastern League, because um, do we have more of a read on where Sky and Snow might be? Alva says, I'm so glad you asked. Um, actually, we we expect potentially the second piece of the Eastern League. Perhaps they both came from the Temple of Power. This is this is unconfirmed, but we do know from your experiences in the Temple of Life, where there were three pieces, that not every temple contains but one piece. We, I hate that. We aren't idea. sure about that just yet. But as far as the reason the Temple of Sand is crossed off the board, well, uh... Some time ago, I believe the last time you were here, we discussed that Valeria, wherever she may be, her necklace contained what we now believe to be a piece, based on what we found in the journal of hers and the text that you brought last time that we were able to decode. Assumedly, that piece has to have come from a temple, and if you recall, at some point in our past, before, well, any of us met any of you... Valeria was exploring ruins in the northern deserts beyond the mountain ranges to the north of Carthus, and it's from this place that she returned, holding the necklace, which we later learned contained a piece. We've now come to believe that whatever ruins Valeria visited up there must have been this temple of sand, given their location in the desert. Yeah, I would maybe um, go from maybe to, to yes on the, on the board. <laughs> I think that's probably a, a fair... Um, yeah, fair something to make. Okay, so I'm glad you agree with our uh, deductions. You see, that's why the question mark is on the board there next to sand. <laughs> but that that leaves us in uh, an interesting state of play. We've got two temples unaccounted for. Sky, on which we have some intelligence, which I'll come back to in a bit. And Snow, on which we are thoroughly in the dark, I'm afraid. Are there any mountains in Carthus? Garrick chimes in and says, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a few. There's there's the mountain ranges to the north of Carthus City and the smaller mountains to the south of Carthus City, underneath which Analor lies. Uh, the northern mountains sort of eventually curve around a bit to the east and become a sort of border range between Carthus and the northern deserts beyond. But uh, nothing too cold and snowy, as far as we're aware. So, um, yeah, we're, we're still trying to figure out that one. Temple of Snow, what, what that could mean. Carthus is a really Australian-type landscape. What if, here's an idea, what if whoever named these temples was actually just seeing them through a vision and they named this temple Snow, but that was because they hadn't seen... I thought you were going to say that like they thought it was Snow, but actually they tasted it and it was salt. Yeah, like a last, like a last Jedi thing. The Temple of Targaryen. Yeah, yeah. Or, or Jackson's thing. Jackson's thing was also. Yeah, good. they're both good. Actually, Grace also said maybe it was calm. Yeah, that's also. Grace, maybe good. it was calm. Oh my <laughs> yeah. god! Temple of calm. He says anyway. Um, as I mentioned, Alva, that is, we have a few other things to report, and I must say that from what you've told us about your travels these last few weeks, it sounds like you have some information that that could tie in. Well, we'll let. We'll let Andrea go first. Uh, hey, uh, good to see you guys, by the way. I haven't seen you since you left Sanctuary. Sorry, um, Andrea. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. We, uh, Andrea's been so. busy. <laughs> Andrea had a really low, breathy voice, I think, didn't she? Did she I does now. That? I thought that was how she sounded. No, I think that sounds about right. So eventually we, we got here, as you can see, but it, it wasn't easy. I mean, Sanctuary was no longer very safe for us in the long run, and, well, Garrick told us to, um... 
to come meet these guys here, and we saw a lot of troop movement heading east, and we spoke to other refugees on the road, and we learned that there's one place in particular in the contested lands between Carthus and the Eastern League that is currently a, uh, well, particularly heavy point of battle, but I'm given to understand it's, it's currently under Carthan control. It's a little town by the name of Snakesbane Spring. That sounds and T, familiar. if you don't remember, that's the name. That's the name you gave for the place that Duncan grew up. Whoa! Uh, or not grew up, but but ended up Back visiting. Story. And, and ended up in after he left um, the place where he knew Santa's claws. Uh, oh God! So, why did we let that be? Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> what have I done to us? The place that DK spent his uh, middling youth, working summers in the quarry. Mm. Uh, yeah, you Andrew gave me a vision of this, eh? I did. Andrea's saying that she's given to understand that, and, and that's why, like, they said that it was pertinent to the things that you'd told them. Because, like, if you told them about that vision you had, that's why she's bringing it yes. up. She's like, she's saying a lot of troops are currently occupying Snakesbane Spring. And what's more, uh, she glances down at the table and then looks over at Garrick and then looks back at you, Duncan, and, and opens her mouth. And she has, like, like an urgency in her eyes. But then she closes her mouth again and looks back down at the table. And Garrick pipes up and says, Yeah, there's a little more to it than that, mate. Um, reports suggest that the the commander of the detachment in Snakesbane Spring is... Um, well, it's the werewolf. That's what we've heard. Fuck off. <laughs> Grace, what? Grace just said fuck off because she was so excited by this narrative twist. <laughs> It's a werewolf on the show. I love it. Grace, it's a nickname. He's not a werewolf. He's my backstory. Are you sure? (laughs) Oh, there's the episode title. (laughs) He's not a werewolf. He's my backstory. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Fucking let down. But also, have you ever seen him on a full moon? You know what? I'm just going to say I haven't so that BMX got free license. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Fuck, that was great, dude. I think Duncan sort of thinks for a moment, takes a deep breath, looks back at this sort of collection of brain squad and says is there any chance there's a temple there he says Alva that is says well we don't think there's a temple but that doesn't mean there's nothing there I noticed that you mentioned that you found a piece of stone with some runes on it and you you had a vision could we would you mind if we took a look at those runes Duncan? Yeah, yeah. Uh, go ahead. If you fork over the piece, uh, the, the the stone, rather, that had the runes on it, Elena and Alvar both look at each other, and then they look back at it, and then they look up, and Elena goes, The Crucible. Duncan says, ah, a classic. Yeah, uh, it's <laughs> actually the, uh, bit of Arthur Mill. the reason I wanted to become an actor in the first place. <laughs> Alvar chimes back in and says 
Yes, um, and this ties to another thing. I remember you mentioned a few minutes ago when you were in the Temple of Silence that you received some transmissions from someone via some strange headpiece who was claiming to be Elva, and we'll come back to that as well. But she mentioned, whoever it was, that she believed that it was important to look after the Crucible. And it's so interesting that you'd heard about the Crucible because, well... We've uncovered some things. Uh, and then Garrick pipes up and says, Yeah, it seems like the Crucible is sort of a uh, former Cine, I guess you'd say, base of operations slash manufacturing facility of some description. We don't know exactly what it is, but we've uncovered a number of references to it in a few Cine texts, and it's always accompanied by, and he reaches over and taps the rock and says, These runes. It's clearly very important to whatever the Sine's former plans or operations were, and, uh, yeah, I guess this Elva woman is, uh, interested in it for some reason. Is it where they made it? Whatever the pieces are pieces of? That's our suspicion, yes. But Elena says, but we don't know for sure. It's it's just, look, that that, that seems highly likely, and, you know, the fact that the, the king and the king's men are so interested in it, if... You know, as we believe, Maleficus is back or whatever and working for them in some way. Yeah, I guess uh, he's interested in it for some reason. The thing that we've been tripped up on is, uh, well, okay, so let's say the Crucible's where they made it and maybe it's where he wants to go to, I don't know, finish whatever he started. But we've got, if I'm not mistaken, five of the pieces. What could he possibly be doing there without... All the pieces in hand. Maybe he started again. After you say that, there's a moment of grim silence as everyone around the table just kind of looks at each other and doesn't say anything. We've been trying to keep the bits away, but he made them. Well, they he discovered them. He didn't necessarily make them from nothing, you know. Like, there was the talk of a discovery. But the discovery can mean many things. It could be the method of creating these focus gems or pieces or whatever they are. We we can't know for sure that he doesn't have the means to create more. And that perhaps our position, which we thought was defensible, is actually far more tenuous. It's like we're keeping the first bit of tinder away from the guy who discovered fire. He's just going to light another one. It's a beautiful metaphor. <laughs> or similarly, I suppose. T is only capable of Tinder-based metaphors. <laughs> as soon as the word left my mouth, I was like, oh, I'm going to get dragged for this. <laughs> is that not, like, what this show has led to? Yeah. Like, has this show not been yeah. one yeah. build-up? To Duncan trying to say something dramatic about Maleficus's plans yeah. and me getting dragged for swiping. This show the is inevitable. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With this show, I'm going to drop a photo on Instagram of you swiping on Tinder during a recording. <laughs> My God, that was beautiful. But um, <laughs> after that moment, Alvar pipes up again and says, "Look, we." We don't know what he's planning, if that is indeed what's going on at Snakesbane Spring, and we don't know if he's capable of creating more things or, or whatever. We, we, we just don't know. The way I see it, there's, there's three things we need to figure out. Who is Elva? You spoke to a woman named Elva through the headset, and 
Well, I, I guess this is, brings me to my next point. Uh, for a while, who these ancient Sine are has been a bit mysterious, but through our works and through piecing things together from different texts that you've brought back, we've been able to put together a list of what we believe to be the names of the Twelve Sine. And uh, he, he fumbles around in some papers for a while, and then he pulls out a, a piece of parchment, and he reads it up, and he says, um, Luthor, Kiramon, Dandela, Devar, Glira, Ianthe, Dandelo, Adelaide, Anelor, Aramond, Elva, Maleficus. Wait, so how do we come to Aramond then? Uh, it's just one of the names of the, the Sine that he lists. Right. What right. About, like- I, I think Jody freaks the fuck out when he reads that because as far as he knew, Aramond was a god that was worshipped by the majority of the monks and clerics at Espera. Jody has a full-fledged existential crisis in the room. Well, it wasn't, I mean, Jody, Jody hasn't had the best relationship with uh, gods and deities and that sort of thing. But I think he's like sort of like taken aback because whatever belief there is or isn't there is kind of like, oh shit, like, I think it was that. He's like, Eremond was the, the chosen favoured deity of Espera. The monks and clerics here, they, for the most part, gave worship to Eremond. This member of the Sine was the god of this place. There's a few, like, glances and nods, and Garrick says, Yeah, we, uh, we kind of thought that may have been the case, but we're beginning to think that these old Sine may have got their names and fingers and legacies into a lot more places than we ever imagined. I mean, I don't know if you were listening. There was one in there called Analor, which is what... We called the place that we used to hang out before we came here. I, you know, I think I remember we there was a, a, a the library where we bought these books from. There was details about a clash between the Sine and a conflict with Maleficus, and that they chose not to kill him, though they could have, but to imprison him in in some some way. And that it was particularly hard for one of the members, Elva. And and Elva says, yes. So this ties into one of my questions. Who is Elva? That's one. How is she alive if she is one of the Sine and not indeed someone using her name? How could she possibly still be alive? How could Maleficus be alive? I guess is the same question, really. And how is she trying to contact Dandela in the modern day? Exactly. So there's a question there. Do we... Do we have, and I'm sure this is too much for Jody as an intelligence eight person to come to, but maybe these experiences <laughs> bring him to this. But he's maybe he just suggests what evidence do we have that our experience of time is the same or even linear? I think Elena <laughs> pipes up and says, "Whoa, dude." <laughs> That's some real trippy shit. Um, but but Garrick says, yeah, look, I mean, it's not that crazy a thought, right? I mean, we know the web can bend time and space in weird ways. I mean, who knows? Good thinking. And Alvar says, anyway, we can puzzle over this later. My other questions. Where are the remaining temples and pieces? By my count, there are at least two temples currently unaccounted for. 
Although, as I mentioned, we have some ideas about the Temple of Sky. And he clicks his fingers and the same page boy uh, runs in holding another little piece of parchment and says, And three, before we get to this piece of parchment, what in bloody hell are we going to do about it? Then he says, Okay, so, Temple of Sky. And he unfurls this piece of parchment on the table, and you see a reasonably detailed map of Carthus. Kind of like the map on curionetwork.com slash news. Scroll down a little bit and you'll find a post. And uh, he points to an area that is indicated as a cross on the map in the mountain ranges, uh, sort of to the north of Carthus City. Somewhere slightly to the north of uh, where Fuck, that this looks good, eh? is. <laughs> yeah, it looks fucking great. Yeah, it's tight. Somewhere to the north of where that river is that runs through, sort of down from the northwest and then through the Oldwood, uh, in that little sort of spot of mountains there, where you've just heard sort of beyond that is this northern desert. Somewhere in that little mountain range, there is an X marked on the paper. And Alva says, this right here is our best current bet on where the Temple of Sky could be. We've got there by triangulating it from obscure references in a few different cine texts, up to perhaps a dozen. It took, honestly, weeks and weeks of scrounging and scraping and pulling together clues, but, well, this is the best we can do right now. This is where we believe it to be, and I know that might not be the most satisfying thing, but it's the best we've got right now. I guess there is one major question in terms of what is the best course of action. Do we continue to find these temples in order to get the pieces for ourselves and keep them away? Or is it more important to take the fight to them? Get them out of the crucible. Okay. I think uh, Garrick says, yeah, this is a debate we've been having a bit here ourselves, and uh, I guess it's time we get into that. And then, as soon as Garrick says those words, a horn rings out in the distance. And the door to the little meeting room that you're in flies open a bare few seconds later, and there's Chiron standing there. A bear came. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's Chiron standing there with a mixture of fear and growing battle rage in his eyes, and he says, "Alva, they're coming." And all of a sudden, there's commotion, and you guys are swept uh, out of this room along with everyone else down into the Great Hall, where you can see that there's already uh, groups of Andrea's refugees assembling the best thing that they can muster for a defense. I turn to Chiron and say, I'm going to need a horse and some barding. Garrick uh, has run to the front of the Great Hall at Espera, and he's standing on the steps looking down over the courtyard, and he looks back over his shoulder as he hears you say that, Duncan, and he just shakes his head. No. I don't think that's going to work, Duncan. I think... Oh, Jesus. Just go have a look. And uh, if you go out to the door and look down over the courtyard yourself... You would see multiple columns of black-clad militia rolling up the winding road that leads to the monastery at Espera. And Alvar's standing there at Garrick's side, and he says, Garrick's right, you're... The pieces that you have, you're... You're too valuable, there's no... We have to go, we have to go, we have to use the web. There's a web portal downstairs, isn't there? We can... We can just get out of here, we can get in the web, and we can go, and we can move, and we can fight another day. 
I can't let them take this place again. Andrea says, And there's no way we could get all the refugees out, out in time, and I'm not leaving them here. And Garrick looks at Andrea and says, And I'm not leaving her. <gasps> Alvar says, after a deep moment of contemplation and a deep sigh, I guess you've made your minds up then. Trisley just sort of shakes her head at the two of you and says, It's not worth it. How could we keep the pieces safe? If you're going to risk it, I'm leaving with the pieces. And so we leave our heroes, standing in semi-ruined Espera, contemplating what to do next. Garrick and Andrea quickly have the refugees close and barricade the makeshift gate which has been constructed on the entrance archway, and then begin organizing themselves. Alvar and his scribes begin sorting and packing tomes preparing for a hasty retreat, if it becomes necessary or even possible. All the while, as our heroes discuss, the black-clad army continues winding up the mountain path, moving ever closer to the monastery. How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Thomas Owen, Grace Chapel, Ben McAllister, and Jackson Newsett. Editing by Ben McAllister. You can find details of all the music in the show notes. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where Grace talks with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them, or Still Interested, where we look at film and TV that has been rebooted or remade and try to figure out why they thought it was a good idea. Check it all out at curionetwork.com.